What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Hey man, so we've been talking about this topic of getting to know your creator. Matter of fact, I want to read something because I've gotten this message more than once. I got a text this morning from one of my pastor friends, uh, Gary Brown, and from West Frankfurt, uh, Illinois. Uh, he sends me one every morning. He sends a verse or something, right? Well, today he sent a verse, and I just want you to hear what it says because I've been getting this a lot lately. Or actually, not the verse, I'm sorry, what he said to me after I replied to his verse. Uh, but he did give me a verse, Revelation 21, 5, where it says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. How many of y'all know there's going to be some new stuff in 2024? And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. But then I said, you know, Happy New Year, thanks. And then he responded with something I've heard a lot in just the last week. He said, thank you, happy new year to you and yours as well. This will be your best year yet. And then he put a bunch of emojis on there, right? And I heard that and from more than him. This is going to be your best year yet. This is going to be Next Level's best year yet. And you keep hearing that coming on. And it's not just Next Level. It's the church worldwide. This is going to be the best year yet. Y'all get ready because there is revival in the air. It's been here for three years at least, if not longer. And it's just been building and building and building. And, you know, one of the things the news don't talk about is this great revival happening in Iran right now. Men getting dreams of a man visiting them in a white robe, and they're finding out who Jesus is, and they're coming to know Christ. So they were Muslim. Now they're Christian because they've gotten the truth that is God, and he visiting what it sounds to me like from just the descriptions of all the dead. We're talking hundreds, if not thousands of people getting the same dream. Crazy, huh? And at the same time, or not necessarily a dream. Some of them, he showed up in person. And gave them the word. And we have a revival breaking out in Iran. Amen? I know the news doesn't talk about it, but we've talked about the false prophets before. That's what they're there for is to discourage you, make you afraid of the world you're living in. But if you pay attention to what God is up to, he's up to big things this year. For whatever reason, they decided to talk about, what was that university? Uh, yeah, Asbury University, they talked about that. But do you know that wasn't just happening at Asbury? That was happening at 13 other universities across the nation. They talked about the one. They just show up and start praying. We've had some of those moments here. People walking in the door, don't know why they're coming in, knocking. We were in actually, Pastor Zach, who's not here this morning, we were in a growth track class. They were going through growth track. This is when they first joined the church. And a lady just wandered in off the street. It was a sunny day, like what you're looking at outside. There was no rain scheduled in the forecast. Crazy how God does things, right? She walks in. The first word she said, we said, how can we help you? She said, I don't know. I just feel like God told me to be here. Now, she was on something. She was high. But she felt like God had spoke to her and told her to show up. So what we did was talk to her for a few minutes, uh, maybe 30 minutes or so. And then she got ready to leave. Well, when she got ready, to, the biggest downpour you could expect. Let me just, here, here it is. There was no rain in the forecast. Y'all ready? It rained an hour and a half. You know what that time was? The exact time she needed. God didn't let it stop raining until it was time for her to leave. And as we were wrapping up, the rain quit, and it went back to being sunny, and she left. Now, Samantha has kept in touch with her. She's from Kentucky somewhere, down in Kentucky. I think she's down your way, towards Paducah somewhere. But uh, anyway, or maybe it was, uh, what's that other town close to you guys? Um, oh, they have a university. Murray. I think she was from around that way. 
So, uh, so crazy things are happening when those type of things have happened more than once here. We've had people come in off the street, don't know why they're coming to church. They don't even know what's going on here. They walk in the back door and they're like, I don't know. I just felt like God told me to be here. Come in. Now, some of them stick around. Some of them left. Some of them get what they came for. And that was all they were here for. And then they left. We had one guy who wandered in off the street saying God had called him years ago um, to be, I don't remember if it was a prophet or something. God had given him a calling. Well, he's one of them that ended up walking away again. So I ended up back in prison. But I can't make you choose the right thing. God has to do that. God is the only one that can change hearts. That's what we have to understand going forward next level. We are going to get thousands of those type of people coming through these doors. They're just going to wander in. They're not going to know why. We're not looking. We don't look at them and start judging. That's what the rest of the church is doing. Yeah, they're not dressed right. We have, if, if they really aren't dressed that bad and it bothers you that much, get them something. Give them a coat. Give them a cover. Give them, buy them some clothes. Right? That's what Jesus told us to do. We take care of them, right? Okay, so some of y'all are with me this morning. But here's what I'm trying to get a point. that In 2024, expect more. It's going to be the year of the open door. There's going to be a lot of things happening in 2024. In this house, yes, but I believe in the uh, ecclesia worldwide. The church worldwide. Revival's been happening, but it's even more. It's getting thicker and thicker in the air right now. Iran is just the beginning. There's a lot of things happening in Russia and China right now that you don't know about. I know the news bills it all as bad, but there is revival happening there as well. Hundreds and thousands of people getting saved, turning, giving their life to Christ. See, this is what I'm talking about. If you listen to false prophets all the time, they're going to give you just a little bit of the truth, and then they're going to break it up and make you fearful because see that's their job is to get you afraid because if they can get you afraid you won't focus on the things of God how do I know because the Bible tells us God has not given us a spirit of fear but of love power and a sound mind so that means if you're living in fear you don't have love you don't have power and you don't have a sound mind because you're not thinking straight that's why the devil uses fear more than anything else in this society to get people afraid. And he does it in the church. We got a lot of posers. I get it. We got a lot of people pretending they're Christians. They come to church and that's it. But that doesn't save you. We're not here to judge whether they're saved or not. The question is, what's going on with you? What's going on in your life? Are you really saved? Do you really know Christ? See, people still using the excuse about hypocrites and people in the church. doesn't matter. Do you have a relationship with God? And if you're one of those that's got a problem with hypocrites, don't go to that church because you're going to show up. If you find a perfect church, and guess what? Don't go. You're going to ruin it. Because everyone's a hypocrite at some point or another, right? And people want to use that as an excuse. How many of y'all go, God's not going to take that as an excuse when it comes to judgment day? No. Well, God, I didn't go to church because so-and-so. They were living wrong. Okay, what's that got to do with you? Sorry, I never knew you. Gone. Now, he'll ask so-and-so, how was your witness? So-and-so can answer for that later, but they're not going to be the reason you don't make it to heaven. That's an excuse. All right, all right, all right. Let me get to some scripture, make y'all feel a little better. So we've been talking about this getting to know your creator, and there's a lot to this. So I don't know how long we're going to go. I know that I've got some stuff in mind, and I know some of you were here Wednesday. I gave you kind of a sneak peek of what's coming, but today we're going to stop again because remember at one point a few weeks ago, we talked about the word faith and the word pistis in your text, and today we're going to get into another Greek word, <clears throat> the word for grace, and we're going to be talking about grace this morning before we get into Matthew 21, and where God has taken me to go to lead back into signs of the times, which we talked about back in November. And I said, we're going to pause this because God's got something else in store, and we're going to continue. But go to Romans 5, verse 18. We're going to read this again. We read this when we did the faith um, verses. We talked about faith a while back. Romans chapter 5, I'm reading out of the NIV this morning, verses 18 to 21. 
says this, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, talking about Adam number one, the Adam that fell in the garden. And he goes on, he says, So also through the obedience of the one man, talking about Jesus, Adam number two, The second Adam, that's why you hear Jesus sometimes referenced as the second Adam. He's the one that got it right. He's the one that came back and took the keys of hell, and he got it right so that we could have a chance at eternal life. But what the verses are saying is because one man fell, everyone became sinners. Oh, pastor, that's not true. Well, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's me. That's you. I know I got a microphone, but I struggle with it too. That's why we just decided years ago, we're just going to be honest in this church. We're not going to try to pretend like we're something we're not. We're just guys. That's it. That said yes to God. That's it. Nothing special about me. I just said yes to what God called me to do. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many were made righteous. It wasn't because of anything you did that you're declared righteous. We're going to talk about that verse here in a minute. It's because of what Jesus did that now you are declared righteous on his behalf because we go through the blood of Jesus. That is the only way to righteousness. Verse 20 says the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. That was talking about a reference to the Ten Commandments and all the commandments that you see in the book of Leviticus and the end of Exodus when Moses is handed those things the law God put them down on tablets so that you could realize I'm not going to make it I can't live up to the expectation that God has for my life that's why he sent Jesus you can't do it you can try all you want but as soon as you start thinking you've got it figured out you entered something called pride which is one of the bigger sins amen Pride leads to a whole bunch of other sins. The law was brought so that the trespass might increase because before Moses, man didn't know they were messed up. They didn't have anything to tell them that. God gave them a law on tablets. Well, guess what? It's hard to take a tablet, just like we see some people out here in this society, and put it in the heart. That's why there had to be a savior because we can't live to the law. Legalism doesn't work. It never works. The only thing that works is coming through Jesus. It says where the sin increased, grace, that's that word we're going to talk about today, increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is grace? We're going to talk about that this morning. That's the word. That's the big words. If you're taking notes, we're going to talk about grace this morning. I want to read something else to you, and then we're going to talk about this Greek word for grace that we're reading about right here and kind of what it means. Romans 5, verse 12, we're going to lead to verse 15. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man. Now, this is right above what we just read, so you don't even have to turn a page unless you got one that's split. Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, And in this way, death came to all people. Because of that, we all die eventually. Because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. In other words, if you don't know you're a sinner, you have no law that tells you that. You have no moral standard. That's what this society would love for you to believe. There's no moral standard. Just live how you want. You'll be fine. Make yourself happy. I've sat through the ethic classes. Yeah, that's what they teach. What do you do to make you happy? There's no moral standard. They don't want a moral standard because here's the deal. God has a moral standard. Otherwise, we wouldn't know what was sin and what wasn't. But man didn't know either until they were given a law. That's what this is saying here. Nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. There it is. It entered in Moses. This is the one who God gave the law to. Even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift, here's verse 15. Here's the good news. The gift is not like the trespass. 
For if many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace, there's that word again, and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many. One man gave his life. One man got it right. One man lived a perfect life. No one in here has. He did. And because of that, we've talked about before in this series, he had no earthly father, so he wasn't born into sin like the rest of us. If he had been had an earthly father, we wouldn't have a chance because he'd have been born in the same sin we were born in. That's why God, the Holy Spirit, entered Mary's womb so that she could conceive but through Mary, there is 100% man in this body and 100% God. And we're talking about Jesus. And because of that, the sins can be forgiven because only man can pay for man's sacrifice. That's why he had to be 100% man. But couldn't have the earthly father because he would have been a sinner. But only God can live perfect and holy. So that's why he was 100% God as well. Grace, let's talk about that word. That is a Greek word there. The word is charis. So you got to get your, that CH there is a, it's a Hebrew enunciation. So it's charis in the Greek. And the word is used 155 times in your New Testament. And 116 of those, it's translated as grace. The state of, it, it means this. Here's what the word means. You guys ready? The state of kindness and favor towards someone. Often with a focus on a benefit given to the object. Gift, benefit, credit, words of kindness and benefit. Thanks and blessing. Okay. So anytime you see that word grace used in your Bible, it can almost always be interchanged for the word favor. That's it. So God gave his favor. He didn't have to. Now let me bring it to you the way I heard an evangelist do it years ago, and it really made more sense to me. Um, let's try to define grace in the standard that we can understand, all right? Here's the deal. We got a lawyer in the house, so he can, he can confirm anything I tell you right now, right? If you take, if someone breaks into your house, murders one of your kids, you take them to court, and you win, that is justice, now check this out. It goes deeper. In the same scenario, breaks into your house, kills one of your kids, you take them to court and you win and then you drop all the charges, that's mercy. Okay, it goes a step further. Grace goes further than that. Y'all ready? It's going to sound familiar. Breaks into your house, murders one of your kids, you take them to court, you win and then you drop all the charges and invite them to live in your house as one of your kids? That is grace. Now, if you think about what I just said, it's exactly what God did through you, to you through Jesus. We were the ones that trespassed. We were the ones that murdered his son. We were the ones that because of Jesus are forgiven. God drops all the charges the day you receive Christ. You're cleared. He wipes it clean. He says, I cast as far as the east is from the west. That's infinity. It doesn't end. So literally, God forgets your sin. The only one that remembers it is you. You And that's where the Satan gets into you. He constantly reminds you of your past. Because if he can get you stuck in your past, you'll never have a future. So suddenly... God gives us grace. He gives us his son, Jesus, who dies for our sins, not his. He takes on the sin of the entire world, crucified on a cross, raises from the dead. That's where he conquered death. And now because he conquered death, you can live eternally as well. That's the creator that we serve. Getting to know your creator. So it's good that we take a moment and pause for a minute. James, here's what James, now James is, a, James is a straightforward guy. I like James. I get convicted every time I read James, right? Of something, right? James just gives it to him like it is. This is James, the brother of Jesus, is who we believe wrote the book of James. The same brother that didn't believe Jesus was God's son when he lived at home, but when his brother rose from the dead later, 
James is now a living testimony and a pastor, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. James was a martyr. He got killed for his belief. But here's what James said. Chapter 4. We're just going to read verses 4 through 10. You adulterous people. See, I told you, straightforward. He's just straight up. This is it. Y'all need to get it, he says, right? You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, I didn't say that. James did. But he's got a good point. You can't be one of those people that straddles the fence. It's like Pastor Brett says sometimes, there is no fence. There's not a fence to straddle. You're either all in with God or you're all out with God. That's it. And the world would love you to think there's a lot of gray areas. There's not. It's black and white. You either receive Christ and his sacrifice and live eternally or you don't. There's no, well, I can compromise on this because that there has become a friend of the world, which he just told us you can't do. He says, if you choose to be a friend of the world, you become an enemy of God. So many people are stuck in that and they don't even realize it. You can't compromise. Looking around at the churches that are compromising, they're getting ready to come crumbling down, I promise. Judgment is coming. The ones that have compromised the message of the gospel and allowed things, we won't go to specifics, and certain issues in their pulpits, those are the ones that are going to fall. And hard will be their fall. I believe, and I don't give names, there's going to be several ministries that fall, big ones that you know of. And it's going to shock a lot of people. I won't give names because God had given me names. God told me not to talk about them, so I don't. I'm just letting you know that it's coming. Soon we will all know who was actually a wolf in sheep's clothing, clothing and who was for God. Who was the wheat? Who was the tariffs? We will know. And it's coming faster than they'd like to think. It's coming. Or do you think, verse 5, or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Verse 6, but he gives us more grace. Same word, charis. More grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You can't have it both ways. You either live for God or you don't. Coming to church on Sunday and acting like a Christian and then living like hell when you leave the doors doesn't make you a Christian. You can fool me. You can fool every pastor and leader in this house. You can't fool God. Submit yourselves. Here's what he says. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Doesn't say he might. If you're a child of God and you resist the devil, he will flee from you. You got more power than the devil's got. Don't let him trip you up. Don't let him beat you up. Remind you of your past so much that you can't live for God now. Verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. You have to make the choice consciously. I'm approaching, I'm trying to come near to God. If I come near to God, God will come near to me. That is what James just told you right there in the scriptures. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Recognize who you are. Not perfect. Some people think they are. They're not going to make the cut. That's called pride. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So if you're taking notes and you need a point, I'll throw one out here. Ready? Point one, God offers us grace for protection. 
He's the only one that can protect you from the enemy. And in order to have protection, you got to be one of his children. Okay. In the sense that he created you, yeah, you're a child of God. But if you've never received Christ as your savior and personal savior, you're not a child of the king. And Jesus was pretty straightforward with the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders. He says, you're a, a, <laughs> you're a member of, okay, how does he word it? You're a child of your father, the devil. He gave it to him straightforward. Jesus wasn't playing or messing around. And these are religious leaders, ones that are supposed to know the law, right? Legalists, you might as well call them, because that's what they did. You are a child of your father, the devil. Unless you are following his commands, see, that's it. Some people think, well, I said a prayer, got my fire insurance. I'm good. I go to heaven now. I can live how I want because I'm saved. That's not how it works. There has to be a change of heart. Because here's the deal. Law is not going to take you to hell. But if you're not at least trying to live up to God's law, there's a problem. Did you ever receive Christ to begin with? That's the big question. Go to 1 Peter real quick, chapter 4. We're going to read verses 7 through 11. Notice how Peter words this. Because even back then, they thought the end was near. And it is. Look at God's timing, right? He says a thousand years is like a day. And a day like a thousand years... That means it's only been a couple of days since Jesus rose from the dead in God's eyes. It ain't been, man thinks of it, oh man, it's been 2,000 years, nothing's happened. No, 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 God says, just give me a couple minutes, right? God's not in time. God is not bound by our time. See, people don't understand that. He's outside of time. The only ones that are bound by time are us while we're here. When we die and we go to the spirit realm, we make it to heaven, hopefully, all of you go to heaven or the other way, either way, then you exit time too. Time was created. First Peter chapter four, verse seven through 11 says, the end of all things is near. This is Peter. Now this is, you know, almost 2000 years ago, but Peter, you know, he's living like the end is tomorrow, like we should be because we never know. No one knows the day or the hour Jesus is coming back. It could be today, could be tomorrow, it could be a hundred years from now, it could be a thousand years. We don't really know. We just got to keep living as if he's coming back today in the next minute or so. And he might. I think there's some things to be fulfilled just yet, but he could. I'm not God. He'll decide that. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Anybody ever known someone, you ask them to do something, first thing they do is complain. <laughs> Those are our grumblers. First thing they do is complain. No, you ought to be living in hospitality. You ought to be glad to get the opportunity to serve your Savior. Amen? Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Whatever God has given you as a gift, you should be using it to serve the people around you. That's what a minister is. Y'all realize if you're born again, you're all ministers. You may not have a microphone, but definition of minister is servant. That's it. A minister is a servant. That's it. They're serving God. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace, same word, and its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Uh-oh. Well, does that mean I shouldn't be cussing? That's what that means. That mean I shouldn't be going with the crowd? That's what that means. Every word that comes out of your mouth, if you're born again, now you're going to mess up. That's why I said Jesus is the only perfect one. But if you're not even trying, that's when I question, were you saved? Have you been born again? Because you're going to want to live for God. If there's been a change in your heart, you're going to want to do those things. Language has to leave, whatever it be. You need to speak as if every word that comes from your mouth is the word of God. 
wow, that's a high expectation. I told you we can't make the cut. That's why we need Jesus. But you should be striving for that. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So God offers us grace to serve others so that they may know him through us. That's at work. That's at school. That's wherever you go. Others should be coming to know Christ because of the way you're living. They should ask you what's different about you. If you're blending in, then you're no different than the next person they met. Whether it's at school, whether it's at work, it doesn't matter. If you're living like everyone else, it's no wonder nobody comes up to you and asks for prayer. They don't see anything different about you. We serve others. He gives us grace. He forgave our sins. He paid the penalty. He got rid of our debt that we could not pay so that we could serve others and that others would come to know him. Hebrews chapter 4. We just got a couple more scriptures, I think. Verse 14. Therefore, since we have great, a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. There's no room for slacking off. You stand strong. When everyone else around you is falling, you stand. That person you thought was a Christian and they're living like you can't even tell they're a Christian during the week, you don't start acting like them and saying, well, they're doing it, so I should be fine. You stand. That person should be convicted by watching you live your life and say, maybe I ought to get my act together. If I'm claiming to be a son of this, see, the Bible says many shall say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done all these great things in your name? And he'll look at him and say, sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Walk as if Jesus is coming in the next 30 seconds. Because he could. For we do not have a high priest who is unable. Okay, hold on. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Okay, I already read that. Just make sure. For we do not have a high priest who is is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way we were and are every day. Well, there's so much more in this society. No, 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 no. He was tempted in every way that you are. The sin hasn't changed. Nothing has changed as far as how people are living. Living like he's. The only thing that's changed is technology. It's more accessible. The sin's always been there. We're not living in a worse generation now than we did 2,000 years ago when Paul and them were battling the same stuff. It's been going on for thousands of years. This is nothing new. People are living like, well, this is totally different. Have you seen this generation? No, it's not. The sin is the same. Man is making the same mistakes they always make. The only difference is you can now access it by simply picking up this. What you posted on social media? See, a lot of these young people don't realize that as soon as you post that post button, everybody in the world can see that. What's your testimony look like on social media? Just asking. I ain't been on social media in a couple months. But what's it look like? Are you the person that's always getting on there cussing and screaming and making a big scene about things that are happening in your day and about everything going on? Or are you the person that's on there just sharing scriptures? See, your words aren't as powerful as the scriptures are. So if you see something going on, the best thing you can do is copy and paste a scripture and share it. Not say anything, just let the word talk for itself. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. There it is, it's in the scriptures. You guys ready? You didn't think that was coming right so quick, did you? Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with, what's that word there? Anybody reading the NIV with me? Some translations say boldness. This one says confidence. You 
approach God's throne with confidence. You make your request to God with confidence, not because you're telling God what to do, but because you're one of his kids. And if you've got something you need to bring to God, you need to approach with confidence. That's one of the next classes we're going to be talking about in our leadership classes is approaching his throne boldly. God gets tired of these little weak, timid little prayers that people are praying. Well, Lord, if God, please, you see. No. Approach your dad, if he's your dad, and you've, you, know, you, you know him as your savior, boldly. God, here's what I got going on. I need you to handle this or show me how to handle it. That's easy. Too many people want to just be like, God, uh, well, you know, if you got time. No, that's not God. If you're one of his children, he wants you to approach him boldly. Woo. All right, all right, all right. Let me get back to this. But we have one who has been tempted. Okay, I already read that. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Grace, that's favor. You didn't earn it. God gave it to you because you received it. Nothing you can do would earn God's favor. He gives favor to who he wants to. We talked about Abram back a few weeks ago. His daddy created the idols people were worshiping. That's Abram's background. That's his family history. God chose him. God had favor on Abram because of his obedience. That's how you get to God. You're obedient. Matter of fact, I don't have the quote in front of me. I could probably look it up real quick. There's a quote that I've kept, and it was one of my leadership books. I think it's the characteristics of leadership, and I don't remember the pastor's name who wrote it. But he was talking about true humility, humbleness, isn't making yourself lower than everybody else. It's doing what God tells you to do. It's being obedient. That's humility because you're giving up your ways to follow God's ways. Now, I wish I had the direct quote. I'll have to bring that because it was powerful. I wrote it down and I've had it all these years. That was over 10 years ago probably that I wrote that down. And I have not forgotten it. Too many people think it's making yourself lower than everybody else. That's not it. It's being obedient to God. He calls you to do something, you do it. You don't ask questions. God, well, God, can you give me a sign, God? Gideon asked for a sign. How many times before he finally got it going? God wants you to trust him. See, if you can't do what God asks you to do, it's not a matter. It's a matter of trust. It's a trust issue. You don't trust God has got your back. So you're afraid that you're going to fail, and if you enter with that type of mentality, you're not going to make it anyway. Even when everybody else is telling you that's not God, that ain't what God, God wouldn't tell you to do that. Doesn't matter. If God told you to do it, you do it. Can I give you some scripture? Noah built an ark in the middle of the desert. It took years. Imagine the persecution. They had never even seen rain until that point. The water came from a mist on the, in the ground. That's how it watered the plants. The heavens had never been opened like that. Noah's building a boat, an ark. And he's building it. Can you imagine the persecution he faced day to day? For however many years, you read the book of Jasser, it says it took him five years. Some people have theories of 75 to 150 years. Doesn't matter how long he did it. it what matters is he did it. However you look at that, years of persecution, years of people telling him he's nuts, years of people saying, you can't do that. What are you doing, you crazy old man? But he did it anyway. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Just like Abram. Leave your country. Get out from everybody you know. Go to a place I'll show you. He didn't know where he was going. He just left. Being obedient. You know how many people probably thought he was nuts? But he did it and God blessed him for it. Wow. Verse 16 Oh, we've already read it. Let's, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Favor to help us in our time of need. Mercy. 
Now that word you seen there with faith just a few minutes ago uh, in verse 15, I think. Oh, no, it was verse 14, where he says, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. That is not the same word faith that we talked about a few weeks ago. That was the word pistis. This is a different word in Hebrew. This word means confession, profession, to openly express commitment and allegiance. You're being allegiant. You're following orders. God offers us grace because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Bottom line, final point. It's nothing you did. It's what he did. And I believe it's Romans 10 where Paul talks about you being declared righteous. You're not actually righteous, but you're declared righteous because of the blood of Jesus. I want to close with a verse out of Acts 15, but I want to kind of give you a brief summary of what's going on. This is the Jerusalem council. This is that point where they're debating, do the Gentiles have to be circumcised? Do they have to go through all the stuff the Jews have to go through in order to be saved? And so they had a whole thing. It was called the Jerusalem Council. It's right there in Acts chapter 15. You can look it up when you get home. I'm not going to read all of it for the sake of time. Got down to the bottom line, and I believe it was Peter that said this right there. Um, Let me see. I can look real quick. Peter, yes. Peter gets up and makes a statement. Matter of fact, I had one verse. Let me just read what Peter said. You guys ready? After much discussion, this is verse 7, so we jumped up a little bit. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that the same time, at at that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear my lips, the message of the gospel, and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit, or giving the Holy Spirit to them, so it's worded there, just as he did to us. Peter saw that. He was an eyewitness to it. That was right after God told him to eat, and there was a bunch of unclean animals on the sheet and the vision he got on the rooftop, and he went and met. He saw the baptism of the Holy Spirit in that room when he got to the Gentiles' house. So he had testimony by what he had seen. He's saying God's given them the same Holy Spirit that he's given us. Now listen to what he says. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles? I like this. A yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. Why are you trying to make them do stuff you don't even do? That burden is not from God. Check out what he says. This is the verse I was going to read, so I'll stop after it. No, and there's an explanation point behind that word no right there in the NIV. We believe it is through grace. The grace, that's that same word, charis. It was something that was given, a gift. You can't earn it, you just get it. That's favor. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. And it changed the direction of the church at that point. Because now suddenly, now you did have some Judeans and Jews that went off and believed what they wanted to believe. But at this point, the Christian church, the ecclesia, he turned some things. We've been looking down on the Gentiles all this time, but God's not doing that. I've seen it with my own eyes. He gives the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles just like he gave to us. How do you know that? Because they spoke in tongues. Why is that the sign of being baptized of the Holy Spirit? I have no idea. God picked it. But every time you see someone baptized in the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts and your New Testament, it always follows by they spoke in other tongues. Now, there's two types of tongues. I don't know why I'm going here this morning. There's two types of tongues. Too many people getting them both mixed up as if they're the same thing. There's not. There are the tongues that require a translator. 
That is when you speak in tongues. When you speak in tongues, you are declaring in some other language because somebody in your audience does not understand whatever language you're speaking. Good example, the disciples on the day of Pentecost and that move. Everyone heard the word of God in their own language. That is speaking in tongues. Then there's praying in tongues. Two separate things. And I can't remember if it's Corinthians and one of them got Paul's epistles. He breaks this down for you. Praying in tongues is different. Praying in tongues is when you have a heavenly language given to you by God to which you and him only can translate. Your spirit prays to him. You don't even know what you're saying, but God does. That's praying in tongues. Let me help you out. God is not going to interrupt an entire service for someone to speak in tongues without a translator. Remember the difference. Why would you get up here in this pulpit and start speaking Spanish to this audience when there's no Spanish-speaking people here? That is where you have to test the spirits. God is only going to have you start speaking another language, speaking because somebody needs to hear what you're saying. I'll give you another example. Y'all ready? This has happened not too many years ago. Uh, and I don't remember the guy's name. And I don't remember where I read it. But he was in Jerusalem, I believe, or over there somewhere in Israel. And he met with this Jewish rabbi who was a professed Jew. He didn't believe in the whole Jesus thing, right? And this guy says, well, can I pray with you? And he starts praying with this Jewish man speaking in tongues. How do I know? Because at the end of the prayer, even though the man didn't know what he was saying, at the end of the prayer, he's like, I didn't know you spoke Hebrew. He's like, I don't. I don't know Hebrew. And I don't remember which prayer it was. But he said, but you just quoted directly from Scripture a Hebrew prayer that we pray. At that moment, the man gives his life to Christ. Because only God does that. When you're praying in tongues, it's personal. In your prayer time, you pray in tongues if you have a heavenly language to pray in. That is not required to get to heaven. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. We don't believe that. I know there's some churches that do. We don't. You are not required to have a prayer language to make it to heaven. But it's beneficial. What do I mean? When you don't know what to pray, and I've had many prayer meetings, I didn't know what to say, so I just prayed in tongues. And the words came. I've had it where, as a matter of fact, the first time I prayed in tongues, I broke down in tears. I didn't even know why I was crying, right? But God did. And I've told this story before, and I, I got to wrap up. I've told this story before. I had no job for eight months when we first moved to Tennessee. I'd been praying. I'd been applying. Everything was online. It was the favor of God that granted me a job in Tennessee. And here's what happened. I got my prayer language that day. It was a Saturday morning, 9 a.m., they would pray from 9 to 10. Well, it went to 10.30 that morning. I didn't know why I was crying. I mean, of course I knew my, what was going on, but I didn't know why I was crying. After the service that day, I walked out the door, and as soon as, I'm actually literally pushing the door open, I get a phone call. I had a job on the other end of that phone. That's because my spirit language was praying to God about a need that needed to be met and God opened the door and that didn't it doesn't always happen that fast I get it immediately leaving the service when I finally came back to English and I'm walking out the doors I get to start pushing the door my phone rings I pick it up I got a job interview on the other line and I got that job I was only at that job for six weeks because God opened another door but it's like all of a sudden I went from no job to more jobs than I knew how to many to say yes to, right? I'm meeting business owners I should have never met. But because of the favor of God and the people I happen to know that knew the owners, it all worked out. 
That's praying in tongues. There's a difference. And I wish I told, knew where to quote you, but I think it's Corinthians. Am I right, David? It is in Corinthians. First Corinthians, right? First Corinthians, Paul breaks that down. Okay, so I'm done. If you're tuning with us online, thank you so much for joining with us this morning. And I know by the time you see this, it's already been a new year, but I pray that this year is the best year you've seen yet. That 2024, you will make your mark on the world for the kingdom of God. See, I got to throw that in there. If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, now here it's the day before a new year, right? But there, it's next week already. What better way to start out the new year than getting a relationship with God? You simply ask. It's that easy. People make it complicated. God doesn't. God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. You prayed that prayer, you meant it from the bottom of your heart. I'm here to say congratulations, welcome to God's family. Your next step is you need to be baptized. Following in Jesus' footsteps, you need to be baptized. And then you need to find you a good church home that is making disciples, whether that's here or somewhere else. Doesn't matter. As long as they are making disciples for God's kingdom and you are being discipled because you got to be trained. How do you do this? See, that's what's the problem with a lot of churches nowadays. People come to the altar, they receive Christ, they get saved, they may even get baptized, and then they're just left. What do I do now? Well, we believe in direction. That's why we offer Growth Track. It's one of the first things we do. In order to be a member of Next Level Freedom Church, you have got to go through Growth Track. Why? It's your first discipleship training course. And we've had people get saved during Growth Track. That's why we go over salvation, baptism, communion, all the things we go over. But it also gives you an idea of the vision of this house. But I pray that you find you a good church home where you can be discipled and ministered to. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining with us. I'll see you guys next time.